Who are they? How did they get here and where are they now? I'm Tyson Chastain, Director of Alumni Relations with Johnson University, and this is the Sojourner Podcast. Have you heard about Johnson University's Vanguard Church Partners Program? Churches who seek a more dynamic relationship with the university are invited to join this partnership as we work together to foster stronger connections between churches, the university, and the students who attend Johnson from VCP. Student scholarships and a variety of church benefits reinforce the partnership of Johnson University with each partner church. Learn more at johnsonu.edu forward slash Vanguard or call Brian Lakin, Director of Church Relations at 865-251-2141. Today, we are joined again in the Sojourner podcast by 1995 Johnson University, Tennessee graduate Daniel Oberdorf. Left unsharpened tools can grow dull, and so do preachers. Like a lumberjack who heaves a blunt blade against a stubborn oak, preachers across the world heave murky, anemic sermons across the rims of their pulpits toward listeners who are about as eager as the stubborn tree. When tools lose their edge, progress stalls, effectiveness wanes, and frustration escalates. If only the lumberjack and the preachers would periodically pause from the strain to sharpen their tools. Today we're joined by 1995 graduate Daniel Overdorf, Dr. Daniel Overdorf, who is a preaching professor here at the university, and he's here with us today for part two of our four-part Alumni University series on Daniel's book, One Year to Better Preaching. These are 52 exercises to hone your homiletical skills. So, Dr. Overdorf, welcome back again to the Sojourner Podcast, and thank you for joining us for part two of this series. Yeah, thank you for having me again. I, I, love, I love talking preaching, so this, uh, this is an honor for me. I appreciate it. Well, I, I really appreciate you making the time to do this for us, Daniel. One Year to Better Preaching provides preachers with 52 exercises that will sharpen their homiletical skills, and each chapter includes instructions for an exercise, There are also uh, comments from preachers who completed it and recommended resources for further study. So uh, today in this podcast, we are going to talk about four more of these 52 exercises that Dr. Overdorf has written in his book. And of course, we will also have another bonus exercise was not a part of the 50 weeks. So in today's session two, we're going to talk about utilizing the five senses, uh, assembling a feed forward group. That'll be interesting to learn about. We're also going to talk about applying specifically and then uh, minimize notes. And uh, those are those are some of you may hear that and think, uh-uh, there's no way I'm getting away from my manuscript. But we'll have fun listening to Dr. Overdorf minimizing notes. So, uh, again, Daniel, thank you so much for doing this with us. Let's get started. Uh, tell me a little bit about utilizing the five senses. Uh, yeah, um, this is a. Uh... It's something that has some, I think, strong theological basis, and and then there's been some contemporary research to encourage preachers to to bring in more senses other than just what people hear. I mean, obviously, the the spoken word is is key to what we do, but uh, but if you think back scripturally, God God of course uses spoken word. You have the prophets and the preachers and the apostles proclaiming, uh, but then if you begin to think how God also used you know what what people would see and touch and smell and the various senses that that would be there um you know you think of uh you know god god put put a rainbow in the sky for noah uh he, he could have just said you got this promise we got this covenant i'll never destroy the earth again but he also put a rainbow in the sky uh mm-hmm. you can think of um you know god could have just said uh remember your release from the slavery in egypt but he established the whole passover 
celebration yeah. and uh, taste the lamb, taste the bitter herbs. Remember the bitterness of your slavery. Jesus could have just said, remember the cross. Um, but he said, hold this bread and mm. this, this cup and you, you hold it, you taste it, you know, in, in our Lord's supper every Sunday, we, we use various senses. Uh, so I think it's, it's, you know, it's throughout scripture. Um, God, God used all five senses to get his truth across. Uh, and then there's some contemporary research. Um, there, there's, there's a fairly well-known preaching book. It came about 15 years ago, I guess, called um, The Power of Multisensory Preaching and Teaching. It's by a guy named Rick Blackwood. And he uh, basically, he, he just, he, this was a doctoral project for him. And he, uh, he just wanted to investigate. He, he put it in three categories. Uh, how, how will people better pay attention and better understand and then better remember what's said if, if we engage multiple senses? And, uh, and and the conclusions of that study were were, were astounding. I, I thought um, basically when we when we engage multiple senses, people paid attention hundred and forty percent better. Mm. So more, more than twice as twice as much they paid attention, and then their understanding and their remembering both increased about seventy five percent. So uh, it it was is a pretty strong argument that people are going to better pay attention, better understand, and better remember. Uh, if we figure out ways to engage multiple senses uh, as as we preach, so um, and and it doesn't have to be this doesn't have to be you know elaborate or or expensive. Hmm. Uh, sometimes it's as simple as um, you know God God is our rock. Well, okay, I, as people leave that day, I give them a little small rock. Hmm. Say so just keep this in your pocket this week. Every time you feel it, um, every time you touch it, you know re- remember. Or I can remember once uh, I was I was doing a series through um, the, the the I am's of Jesus and John. Uh, I am resurrection of life. I am this, and uh, you know I am the bread of life. So we said, okay, let's let's see if we can hit all five senses. And so we had, uh, you know, an hour or two before church, we had these bread machines all around the the worship center. And um, so as people walked in, they smelled bread baking, and then we gave them all bread and you know just a piece. You know, hold this, touch this, feel this, taste it. And so, uh, so it's, you know, it doesn't have to be elaborate, expensive. It, it, you, what, what can you have people see? Maybe it's just even putting a piece of artwork on the screen or, or on stage, mm-hmm. something that, that people can see, or you're, you know, you're telling a story about, you know, your grandfather's faith and, uh, you just have his Bible up there with you. So, you know, see, see, see how worn this Bible is. See, see these verses that are underlined. And mm-hmm. so, uh, so, so yeah, it doesn't, sometimes when you begin these conversations, people think it has to be elaborate and expensive and complicated and it, it doesn't, but it, it just takes a little, little thought. You know, as you say that, I think back to some of the sermons I've heard and it's like, what is it that I remember about sermons that I've heard in the past? And mm-hmm. every time there's something sensory associated with it, yeah, it's never yeah. just, mm-hmm. it's never just the message. I remember somebody showing the backside of a tapestry. Yeah. And then, you know, of course, the other side of the tapestry is the perfect work of art that we don't see. But, right. Um, I remember somebody just holding up a printout of a bat, yeah. encouraging people to hang in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you remember it. Uh, yeah, you, I know it. Right. Yeah. Because you, it, it was connected not only with what you heard, but you saw something. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I like that idea of incorporating incorporating smell in Mm-hmm. Um, touch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Really cool. So, uh, you know, I, I've heard and we'll probably talk about this when we get into um, minimizing notes. Uh, I've heard that um, it gets distracting in the pulpit when people are leaning forward in their seats and engaging in the sermon, you know, mm-hmm. in their own quiet way. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you sense that or have you seen that as you practice utilizing multiple senses that it's a different crowd interaction with you? Yeah, I think, uh, well, well, you describe people leaning forward. I think, I think they, they tend to do that. Uh, they tend to, to engage better and, um, pay attention better because they, you know, they, they sense something out of the ordinary is, is coming, you know, Mm -hmm. when you pick up that baseball in your hand or you say to everybody, you know, look, look under your seat. There's, there's a a piece of bread under there for you. (laughs) Yeah, it does. It does. It engages them in a different way. Interesting. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Really cool. So that's utilizing the five senses, and you your book recommendation again was the power of multisensory preaching. Who was that mm-hmm. written by? Uh, Rick Blackwood. Yeah, I think that's probably about fifteen years old now. But uh, it's an interesting read. He uh, he makes a good argument and gives a lot of good suggestions uh, about how to do this. Good, good. Well, I, I appreciate that. And you know, for those of you who are in the preaching vocation and wanting to sharpen your skills. It doesn't hurt to learn from more than just Dr. Daniel Oberdorf. It's, uh, yeah, that's right. it's, there's a variety of preachers out there who have published some works that would be helpful as you craft that vocation. So again, we're talking to Dr. Daniel Oberdorf about his book, One Year to Better Preaching, 52 Exercises to Hone Your Skills. And we just uh, we just talked about utilizing the five senses. But now, Dr. Oberdorf, shifting gears a little bit, assemble a feed forward group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... The, the basic idea here is we, we sometimes think about getting feedback from people, meaning after the sermon, you know, we, we go and, and uh, survey people or, or, or try to get feedback. But a feed forward just kind of says, OK, why don't we meet with them before the sermon? Uh, as we're preparing the sermon, let's um, talk with people about, about our ideas, about their questions, about maybe the struggles in their own life that this text brings to mind uh, and, and their insights. You know, there, there's value in even studying scripture together in community that uh, some others will, will notice, you know, maybe notice a key word or notice some punctuation that I didn't catch or some context. And so, uh, so yeah, yeah. The idea here is we get, we get a group of people together during our preparation process and uh, just to help us think through uh, what it is that, that we're going to preach. So uh, th- this is again, a small group, almost like your, your small prayer group that we talked in the first session, mm-hmm. uh, talked about in the first session or whatever it's. Yeah. Yeah. A regular group of people that would, yeah, and it could it could be a regular group. It could be um, you could be bringing different people depending on what you're preaching. And this probably isn't something you do with every sermon, you know, but but you do occasionally, or maybe you do to you know like another option with this is you know before a series, you know, you're doing a series on a certain um, issue or topic or book of the Bible, and you know you're bringing people to help you think through the whole whole series is another another approach. And so you're doing this with uh, church members. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. These are people from your community. But I assume at the same time, you know, there are preaching groups out there, you know, preachers who get yeah, together yeah. And, and bounce sermon ideas off each other. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Just yeah. Just, which is, um, which is, there's actually, there's actually an exercise in the book about that too, yeah. about uh, being, being collaborative with other preachers because there's great value in that too. But, um, but yeah, this particular exercise is, is, you know, get five, six, seven people from your church community and, and uh, talk with them ahead of time. And you personally, how have you experienced, you know, give me some ways that that has sharpened your own preaching. Well, it it helps you. um, One thing is it, it, it tells you what questions are going to come to people's minds that maybe I wouldn't have anticipated Mm -hmm. that, uh, that in my mind, something is, is clear or I understand it or, but somebody else says, no, wait, wait a second. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to understand your point here. Uh, or when scripture says this, that just doesn't set quite right with me. Uh, how do we how do we resolve this? And so it may keep me from unintentionally 
glossing over something mm. that that maybe really I needed to to give more explanation to or or to help resolve or even just acknowledge the struggle um just to say hey I know when uh I know when we read these verses um th- this this may hit some of you differently and, and I I want to acknowledge that and, and acknowledge the struggle here so uh, but then also even stories you know it'd be people you know, they'll read something and say, oh, that brings to mind, you know, that this makes me think of what happened at work last week, or this makes me think of something my grandpa always said, you know, and uh, and you find yourself bringing those things into the sermon. And I, I, I never would have known those things or thought of those things had I not had those conversations. So had you ever like directly said from the pulpit, you know, I had a conversation with some folks about this sermon. And yes. Here's, yeah. Here's... yeah, 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 absolutely. And uh, and of course, that makes the people who are in that feed forward group, it makes them feel very much a part of the process mm-hmm. that uh, said, yeah, you know, you know, John, Jonathan told me about something that happened at his job the other day. Or, you know, Melissa said that her grandpa always told her, you know, I love it. Yeah. I, go ahead. Uh, yeah. And I was going to say, interestingly, this this particular exercise, there's a student, a uh, doctoral student at Harding University who who took this exercise and turned it into a whole doctoral dissertation, a whole project uh, on this specifically. And so he, um, this was just last year, he went much, much further with it than I did in, in my book, but he uh, had several weeks planned with different groups and, and handled the, the group meetings in several different ways. He was really creative with it. And uh, so it was, it was interesting to see, to see somebody really take this and run with it. I just, I see that as being, we talked about one of the exercises last week as well, about how doing this helps people be a, be a part of yeah, yeah. The ministry. I mean, it makes you personal mm-hmm. to them, but it helps mm-hmm. people be a part of what's going on. I, yeah. I think it only strengthens community. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's the hope. Yeah, and you can um, again. There's various ways you could do this. I mean, one, you can just get a cross section of people. Say, make sure you've got people from different different demographics, different ages who are part of your group. Um, but also, if you're talking about some specific area, you know, say you're talking about parenting. Um, well, I'm going to assemble a group who, who's going to bring insight into that and maybe older parents, younger parents, single parents. Um, I would also want to include in that group someone who maybe desperately wants to be a parent, but uh, hasn't been able to have children yet because I want to hear that voice. You know? So you're not getting feedback from the 17-year-old high schooler or... <laughs> right, right, yeah. Well, I, I don't know. Maybe well, you could because it's like, well, let's hear from parenting right. from the side of the receiver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or maybe you know, maybe I include the seventeen-year-old who who got pregnant, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. But you know, that that might that's a voice that I would maybe want to hear in that sermon too. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Good yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, we've talked about now utilize the five senses. Assemble a feed-forward group, not a feedback group, a feed-forward group. This is in advance of the sermon. Excellent. And now number three that we're going to talk about today from Dr. Daniel Overdorf's book, One Year to Better Preaching, The 52 Exercises to Hone Your Skills, is apply specifically. Yes. Um, yeah. And really kind of the reason for this exercise is I think uh, I think most preachers know we need to apply. Like we need to we need to not only explain what the scripture is saying, but we need to help our listeners see how how we can live it out. But I think a weakness in a lot of our preaching is that we stay too vague. We stay too general in, in our application. So, you know, I'll, I'll say, you know, our, our, our world needs Jesus and, and therefore we need to be a witness for Jesus. We need to be going out telling people about Jesus, which is true. But but what I try to push my students and push preachers is, is OK, get, get more specific. Uh, let's not just say we need to tell people about Jesus. Kind of, th- you know, help your listeners think through 
different circumstances, scenarios where they can do that. Um, and, and so maybe I say, um, you know, yeah, we, we need to tell people about Jesus. And uh, may, maybe there's a guy in the next cubicle at work who you see every day <laughs> at the coffee pot. Mm. And you, uh, you know, you talk about the ball game, you talk about the weather. But, but how, how about tomorrow? How about tomorrow? You, you inject your faith into that conversation. And, and maybe you just tell about something that happened at church or maybe a, about some godly advice that somebody gave to you one day. Or, but, but what, what if tomorrow you around that coffee pot? So, so that, takes it from the, that takes it from the general, we need to tell people about Jesus to help people see specific situations. And maybe it's not the coffee pot. Maybe it's, you know, you're going to be at a family reunion next week and you're going to see that cousin that you, you see just once a year. And maybe you can have a chance to bring the love of Christ and the grace of Christ into your cousin's life. Or, but but it, it's help, it helps people. I, I think when we say general, people are going to, yeah, nod their heads, but they, you know, but then they go on to thinking back about what they're going to have for lunch that day. Mm-hmm. But if we can give them more concrete, more specific uh, suggestions about how to apply it, then um, then hopefully the wheels in their mind start turning and. And, uh, and they may not, you know, may, maybe they don't have a guy in the next cubicle at work, you know, with that example, but that gets them thinking, but, but who do I have? Who will I see at my work site or in my neighborhood when I take a walk tomorrow, or, you know, in different, different situations? I can also see applying this specifically from the perspective of, let's say, you know, we're talking about Jesus, the, uh, the alien, the old, right? And so, yeah. so this was something that was important to Jesus. It's important to us, should be concerned. And instead of leaving it generic, it's like, so Wednesday night, the church is yeah. going to exactly. encourage you to be a part of this. Yeah, yeah, I- yeah, exactly. It just takes it from the general concept to here, here's how this can actually show up in your life this week, helping people to think through that. So can you give me any illustrations of how applying specifically has resulted in something? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I can give you an example of that. Uh, I, I was preaching a sermon. Uh, well, no, I, I preached a sermon on the uh, the parable of the rich fool. Um, you know, Jesus says, you know, watch out for greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And then he gives the parable of, of the rich fool. Um, and, and I remember giving some application in that sermon of one specific thing I mentioned was, you know, sometimes we always think we need a we need a bigger house. We need a nicer car. We need a newer this. We need that. And um, but but maybe we need to step back and think about how we can invest in, in, in eternal things. And, and maybe instead of increasing our mortgage payment, maybe instead I increase my giving to, uh, you know, the local second harvest or to a you know, missionary who's serving churches in the Middle East. Or I, So that, that was the application. And about two weeks later, a, um, this lady, young, young mother, stops me in the church foyer. She says, hey, I, 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 I want to talk to you about your sermon a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> and every, every every preacher knows that panic moment. Like, what in the world did I preach two weeks ago? Yeah, <laughs> but, but she, I think she saw my panic and she helped me. She said, "You preached about bigger barns in, in that parable." But she said, "I want you to know the difference that made." She said, uh, "She said my husband just got a, a big promotion at work and we came along with a big pay raise, and so we were, you know, we were looking for bigger houses and and, and a nicer, you know, nicer neighborhood." And and uh, but then after your sermon, and she said, and some other conversations, it wasn't just the sermon. But she said, after your sermon, you know, we decided to increase our giving instead of our mortgage payment. And uh, she said, I just want you to know that that, that sermon made a difference. And, uh, I, you know, I gulped <laughs> when she said that because, you, you know, it, but, it, but it reminds you that when you um, that, that when when you preach the word of God, that there is power there that actually does make a difference in people's lives and decision making. And, mm-hmm. and, and I would contend that it 
we'll see that difference more when we when we apply specifically when we help people. You know, I could have just stayed very general and said, you know, don't be greedy. You know, store up treasures in heaven instead of in bigger barns. And but when when you get specific, hey, let's let's think about our mortgage payments. Let's think about our decisions. Let's think about the vacations we plan, the cars we drive. Then it's uh, that's where people say you, you've gone from preaching to meddling. <laughs> but, um, but but when it's based in scripture and based on biblical truth, you know, we, we try to help people imagine how it can actually make a difference where they live. I like it. That's, well, so that's uh, that's three of our four main lessons today. So utilize the five senses, assemble a feed forward group and apply specifically, which seeing the illustration of what can happen when you make specific applications and people envision really how this applies and not great so uh our fourth topic in this morning's session on one year to better preaching 52 exercises on your skills by dr daniel overdorf is the idea of minimizing notes uh, I, I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast that is scary to some people yeah, yeah. so tell me yeah. a little bit about why we want to minimize our notes and, and i will say I've, I've changed my language just a little bit even after having written this book to I'll talk now more about minimizing our reliance on notes. And what I'll tell people is, it is we all have to find how we're going to be most effective. And some people can use a manuscript and, and be very effective in it. But I would say even for that person, if you minimize how much you rely on it in, in the preaching event. And then, and then I think also the reality, too, is for most of us, the less notes we bring into the pulpit, the less tempted we are to rely on them. And so for everybody, find your own voice, find what works best for you. I think for most of us, we're going to be less tempted to rely on them if we bring in maybe an outline instead of a full word-for-word manuscript, or maybe even be as courageous to bring in just a cheat sheet, which is some of the main ideas there. Um, but 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 the reason for this is just that you know people don't like to be read to, and, and we're going to be a more engaging speaker the more that we can look them in the eye and speak with them conversationally. We're, we're just we're just simply going to connect better if we do that. In, uh, in in the book, I use something that Joe Webb talked about. Uh, some of the listeners might be familiar with, with him. He's a teacher, preacher for a long, long time, writer. But he just talked about going into a church. And uh, and this this, this preacher um, earlier in the service has like a children's sermon. And so all the children come up to the front and and the preacher is just, just talking with them, very engaging. And I think even uses like an object lesson, you know, and and, uh, and and interestingly, of course, not only are the children engaged, but all the adults are, are leaning forward, very engaged in, in what the preacher's doing. Uh, and then and then ten minutes later, the preacher begins the adult sermon and just reads it, you know, just head down, um, just word for word reading off a manuscript. And those same adult listeners who had been so engaged in the children's sermon now are they're yawning, they're looking at their watches, you know, totally disconnected. And, and so Webb asks, you know, why can't we preach? The way that the preacher did in the children's sermon, why can't we preach in that same engaging way uh, with adults? And then he was speaking specifically of uh, how, how much we rely on our notes. And uh, so he was encouraging us to, to look up, look people in the eye, even have the courage to step to the side of the pulpit, you know, and uh, have, have a little bit of movement in our sermon. So, yeah, and I'll, and I'll tell students, just think about the way you are in conversation. If I, you know, if I have a student preaching in class at one o'clock and I have lunch with them right before it, and if I were to say to that student at, at lunch, you know, hey, hey, just tell me about your sermon. You know, we're sitting at the lunch table. They could tell me all about their sermon and they could tell me the stories. They could tell me what they learned from the text without looking at a note. And so what I try to say to them is bring, try to bring that same kind of conversational feeling into the preaching event. And, 
Uh, you, you probably know your material a lot better than you think you do, but try to bring that natural conversational flow and connection in, into the event. I recall you saying that. I recall when I was preaching a morning at a church in Indiana, it was two sermons in the morning, and I, I went up with an outline. I knew the gaps with the outline, and the <laughs> the preacher said something to me after the second sermon. He's like, you preached a totally different sermon the second time. And it's like, <laughs> you know, yeah. I did, but the mm -hmm. bones were the same, but I was feeling the audience as I was yeah. filling in the gaps between. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It seemed like both of them really engaged, <laughs> mm -hmm. but, but it was, it was, it was almost like two different. Yeah. Because you get, you know, when, when your eyes are on the people, you, you get different feedback, you, you know, Hey, maybe I need to stop and explain this a little better or mm -hmm. yeah. uh, I need to move on from this or, um, and, and this, and there, there's even a larger discussion here that, you know, a, a sermon is an event. A sermon is not a manuscript or sermon is not what we have on paper. Sermon is not a document. Mm -hmm. The sermon is something that happens in time and space. Mm -hmm. And so um, when, when we're too tied to the document, uh, sometimes we, we miss the, the, the interaction. We, we miss, miss the event uh, because we're too tied to the document. So. That's good. Okay. Okay. So utilize the five senses, assemble a feed forward group, apply specifically and minimize your notes, or at least minimize your reliance on notes. That's what we're yeah, saying. Yeah. Great stuff. So these are four lessons from Dr. Overdorf's One Year to Better Preaching, 52 exercises to hone your skills. Dr. Overdorf, thank you for engaging in uh, this dialogue this way and, and teaching us some of these lessons, these exercises that we could go through. Now, uh, one more that we want to talk about this morning is you had offered a bonus exercise that says to seek illustrations outside. What do you mean by that? The, the basic idea there is um, trying, trying to help preachers see that there are illustrations of God's truth all around us. And sometimes when we think of illustrations, we think everyone has to be this, this dramatic, life-changing story, you know, of, of some great sacrifice that someone made on, on, on the mission field or, or in a family. Or, and, and, of course, those things do illustrate God's truth. But I can just, I can just look outside my window and uh, I, I can see. In fact, honestly, just right now as I was talking, um, the sun came out from behind a cloud. I'm looking out my window. My window is open. And that, you know, there's illustration there that, that there are, there are days that we live in. It feels like a cloud. It feels dark. It feels cold. Uh, as if we don't see the light uh, of mm. God's grace, God's truth. And, uh, but then you have those moments. You, you have those breakthrough moments where uh, maybe it's in a time of worship. Maybe it's in a conversation with a friend. Maybe it's when I'm reading in, in scripture and I have this reminder. Just, it just hits. And it's like the sun coming from behind a cloud. You know, I, it's just, I'm just looking outside my window, you know. Or it's uh, as as we're talking here for this podcast, we're getting into the fall season, and trees are starting to lose their leaves and change colors. And and I, I, I've stolen this one. I, I remember another preacher saying this. He says, uh, "Here in a month or so, you're going to be walking down the sidewalk, and you're going to see a tree where where all of the leaves have fallen off, except for one. Mm -hmm. And when all the others have fallen away, there's that one leaf still clinging on there. What what makes what makes one hang in there?" When, when all the rest have fallen away, you know, you're talking about perseverance. And, I mean, it's just, it's just everywhere. And kind of the point behind this is just keep, let's just keep our eyes open because God's truth is, uh, is, is all around us. I, I see two people outside mowing outside my window right now. And uh, well, I actually, one is mowing, the other's blowing the grass off the sidewalk. Uh, they, they've teamed up, you know, to, to get this done. It, it, takes, uh, it takes two people. One, one's doing one part of the job, another's doing another part of the job. And, and together. 
They're helping make the campus beautiful. Uh, you know, God talks about the church like that. One does his part. Somebody else does their part. Yeah. So, th- yeah, the purpose of that exercise was just to say, keep your eyes open. Just take a walk. And I've told preachers that you're, you're stuck on your sermon. You're stuck for an illustration. Get out of your office and go take a walk. Mm-hmm. And just look around. See what you see. I love it. I asked you to explain what you meant by that because you say seek illustrations outside. It's like, well, you mean like out of my friend group or whatever? Oh. I mean, no, literally, <laughs> yeah. like you're talking about out, out in yeah. nature. I mean, or yeah. what's out your window as you're, as yeah. you're talking about. Because there's, um, there's another exercise in the book where I tell people to walk around their house. And so um, you walk around your house, that, that, that picture you see, that plaque from that award that you got, the memory you have of that phone call, you know, when you see your phone sitting on the table. Yeah. And so this and so this one kind of takes a similar idea and says, yeah, OK, same thing, but go go outside. But we'll go walk around. As you say that, it's interesting to me. So I'm mentally trying to imagine myself doing this. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking of like an end table that recently acquired that yeah. who we got that from and the reason why we got that mm-hmm. end table and the implications, the things that were going on in that family that made that end table yeah. available. And all yeah. of a sudden I'm seeing this stack of illustrations that yeah. come together. Yeah. So yeah, yeah that's it, exactly. Yeah. And, and you can, uh, and I'll tell people sometimes, you know, do uh, maybe mentally walk through the house where you grew up. And, and kind of think back to the memories you've had growing up of the, you know, where the Christmas tree always sat. I, I think my family, every Thursday night, we sit in front of the fireplace and watch the Waltons, you know, we pop, pop, pop popcorn. And, uh, or, or I can see the uh, standing in the living room of, uh, of our house and there was a phone on the wall. And, and uh, I remember when my, I remember when the phone call came that my grandmother was about to pass and my dad got the call and hung up and I can still in my mind, You'll see my mom and dad hugging and, and weeping uh, when, when they got that phone call. Mm. And I got, you know, you mentally walk through the house where you grew up and, and you'll remember life and the painful, the joyful and life with God and life with God's people. Mm. It's good stuff. You've uh, <laughs> by saying that, I, I don't know what it's done to everybody else who's listening, but like you've taken me on an emotional journey. I'm just thinking about mm-hmm. all of these things. Yeah. Like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah there's. There's a lot in life that we leave behind. Mm-hmm. There's so much them still learn from it and help others. From yeah, well. yeah. And it's just, and so it's just keeping your eyes open. God's truth and illustrations of God's truth are everywhere. Mm. Keep our eyes open to it. Excellent. Well, this has been a great conversation today, Dr. Overdorf, part two of our three-part lesson series on your book, One Year to Better Preaching, these 52 exercises to hone your skills. Thank you so much for giving me your time, giving us your time today for this second lesson. Is there uh, anything else that you would add or anything that, you know, maybe we skipped over that you wanted to circle back around to from the four lessons and the bonus exercise? You know, I guess maybe one final word I would say, it seems like the lessons we talked about today, a lot of them had to do with the creative side of, uh, of preaching. Some people will say, well, I'm just not creative. We can all learn. It's, it's a learned skill. And, and then also I'd encourage preachers to surround yourself with creative people. You might not be able to think of ways to engage multiple senses, but there's some creative people in your church that can help you uh, help you think through that. So, so yeah, it's, it's uh, something we can learn and something we can get help with. That's good. I, I remember Dr. Inyert talking about inviting people into the sermon. And one of the ways that he did mm. that was through acting out, you know, actually, mm, yeah, yeah. Act, actually making yourself a character. In mm-hmm. story or um, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, yeah. It totally 
changes the engagement of as they're seeing the story from the angle of being in, being right. involved or, yeah, or what yeah. have you. Uh-huh. That Good. creativity in it, uh, you know, terrifying to make the first step of mm-hmm. getting out of our comfort zone that way. But I think you're important and it's going to be important to our congregation who are there. You know, we don't mm-hmm. know what we talk. the introduction, you know, we don't want them to be people who are on the other side of the pulpits, just kind of with eyes glassed over and right, you know, right. zoned out or whatever. Yeah. You know, they want to yeah. have a sharp axe. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Good stuff. Well, thank you, Dr. Overdorf, mm-hmm. for helping us sharpen our axe with session two. And for those of you listening, be ready to listen to session three coming up the next week. And we'll actually do a fourth session. This is a four-part series on Dr. Daniel Overdorf's book, One Year to Better Preaching, 52 Exercises to Hone Your Skills. And if you're interested in getting a copy of this book, uh, it's on Amazon. Just go to Amazon.com. You look up Dr. Daniel Overdorf. Or uh, just look up One Year to Better Preaching and 52 Exercises, and you will find this book listed there, among other books that Dr. Daniel Overdorf has written, and maybe we'll spend some time talking about those in a future episode. But Dr. Overdorf, thank you for being my guest today, and thank you for giving us these five lessons there. Yeah, you're very welcome. I'm honored, honored to be here. The Sojourner Podcast is a production of the Alumni Relations Office at Johnson University. Edited by Kara Husky. Podcast graphics by Rachel Woolard. Music by Loyal Love. Tune in to other Sojourner Podcasts dropping normally weekly on most of your favorite podcast channels. Thanks for listening. <music>